0: People, what's up? I have a special guest today. I got a Nets and Boats member, my man, Bill Carey, Mr. Bill, how you doing today? It's been an amazing day already. A lot has already happened. <laughs> yes, man. It's Friday. It's the weekend. I mean, some people, oh, some people got to work, but it's the weekend. We finally made it. So, what a time to be alive. Yes. Definitely, of course, in the sports world, there's so much stuff going on, of course, in basketball, football, and everything else. So, and something that's been really yet on my mind about LeBron James because last week made a big milestone, past Karl Malone with second most all-time scoring points. And when people think about scores, they talk about Kevin Durant. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, but they Steph don't Curry. talk about LeBron James, Steph Curry. And why, don't, why doesn't LeBron get the recognition
1: of being a great scorer? Well, I mean, I think he does get recognized as a great scorer. You don't get to number two on the offense, recognizing <laughs> recognize you can score. But the reason he's not thought of primarily as a scorer is two reasons. One is his own style of play. His own style of play is a, the style of play was a facilitator, right? So if that's your you're what you lead with, right? If you think about like when they do those personality studies and it says you're this, you're that, you're a collaborator, right? So even if you're also a great leader, the first thing that comes up when they do the personality studies is that you're a collaborator and that you seek consensus. People may not see you as a leader the same way someone who's a domineering, dominant personality. Is. So think about it this way. It took him 600 more shots and about 1100 more minutes played to pass Carmelo, Malone. And Carmelo Malone's a guy that took very few threes. So, that's one of the reasons that people sometimes think about it. I mean, he's playing in an era where there's more threes taken, so it's easier to accumulate points than ever before. And no one can guard him, <laughs> you know? I agree. <laughs> um, still played in the era of the big man. If he got, got down on the block, there might be Patrick Ewing, there might be Hakeem Olajuwon, there might be Shaq, there might be... Think of the list of great defensive post players that he played against. How many really great defensive post players and great 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 like off the charts great block block shot blockers i mean at the very tail end of the kimbe matumbo's career he entered the league but the wasn't no 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 <laughs> <Dikembe> <laughs> he was more at that point he, yeah, was, he was a prime player at that point so he's seen very few great shot blockers um he's seen a handful of great on ball defenders but he hasn't seen gary glove Payton like the true a lot of the truly great defenders were gone from the league by the time he entered the league so somewhat fairly and somewhat unfairly they look at this genetic marvel that he is, who plays a position that didn't really exist before he helped to create it. I mean, Tony Kukoc and 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 Scotty were sort of point forwards, but neither of them were what we're looking at here. Carl Malone physically is the closest to what we'd ever seen, but Carl Malone was a true power forward, right? Carl Malone took a handful of shots outside of 18 feet in his whole career, and he didn't want to take those, right? I mean, he was taking those because it was a bailout situation or whatever. He, if he's shooting more than 18 feet do in the basket, something kind of went wrong in your offense. So in this era where everyone shoots from everywhere, I mean, seven dudes, seven three dudes are jacking up threes like it's nothing. Like the, the game has changed from that. So scoring is different. Scoring used to be very structured. Here's how you score. You're a two-guard, run over to that wing, you're a small forward. Run through this lane, cut that way. Run J-turn, cut that way. Run an X-turn, cut that way. Oh, and you can also go into that wing, right? You are seven feet tall, that means you're a center. Stop messing around and get down on that low block. Uh, you know, you're a power forward, get on the other block. And you can run around a little bit, but don't get too far from the hoop. And then you're a point guard, facilitate. And if you're a great shooter, and some some guys were, Gail Goodrich was a fantastic shooter, but his job wasn't to shoot. Um, he would shoot if the, Dolphins, if, the, if the defense sagged off him or, or took away his other options. And he was, I mean, truly, I mean, he, was, he was such a good shooter that when I was in school, which is a million years ago, but literally, when we watched our, um, what they used to call film strips, which I guess predates anything you could ever remember, but whose form did we learn to watch the shooter jump? For? We watched Gail Goodrich, and now say goodbye to the basketball, right? We would watch Gail Goodrich, because he's such a pure shooter. So now points come from everywhere. People shoot from all over the court. Defenses are hanging on by a toenail against good offenses because you, you you can't hand check. And once again, there's so few great post defenders left. You could put all the great post defenders in like a luxury like sedan and there'd be good leg and arm room for them, right? In the old days, you would need a mini bus or maybe a bus bus for all the great post defenders. I mean, Thurl Bailey wasn't a great player. But he was a pretty good post-defender. Like, he would be thought of as a top-six post-defender if Thurl was running around losing. Olden Polities would be a top-eight post-defender if he was running around nowadays. So the, the bar has somewhat been lowered. So it's those things together that he took more shots than Karl Malone, played more minutes than Karl Malone to get to the same point. And points can come from everywhere. And he gets to shoot threes, right, in a way that, I mean, what would Jerry West's career look like if they had the three-point? Think about Jerry West if they had three pointers. Think about how many points he would have. So people have to take that into account. I agree. I would say this too.
0: I feel like with LeBron James, far as the mindset, sometimes his mindset always to pass first, make players better around him. But I will say this too, though LeBron, I've seen so many times he has the shot, but he gives it up because sometimes, of course, making the right basketball play, but sometimes the right play to shoot the ball. If you're the ball. best
1: player on the court,
0: maybe you should take the shot. <laughs> I agree. That's like that's probably my issue with LeBron sometimes. Like, he'll have a mismatch, match. Like a 20 um 2018 finals, game one. I know it It's a Great about. game. He had Steph Curry on him. LeBron dropped 51, 8 and 8. He got it cooking. He passed the ball to uh, George uh, George Hill. I'm like, LeBron, you got it cooking. Take him to the back. He's 6'369. Six, Why are you passing the ball away? (laughs) That's my issue with LeBron James sometimes. Like, he has it. He always uh... says, I'm making the right basketball play, but sometimes the right
1: play is for you to shoot sometimes. When people, remember how they used to compare him to to Kobe, right? And they would say, now people would use this against Kobe, too, because Kobe would never pass in that situation. (laughs) If you had Kobe's family hostage, he might not pass in that situation, right? He might be like, you know, my family will figure a way to get out of this. I'ma take this shot. Kobe always thought he was the best option, right? I mean, even when he was a rookie and he wasn't the best option, he still thought he was the best option. He shoot he used to shoot like out of game sometimes. Yes, uh, I agree. But and, and even later, he sometimes did, but he got, you know, he got a slightly better sense of what to do when. If you don't want you don't want LeBron to try to be Kobe, but if he had a more Kobe, he'd be an even greater player, right? Because he would realize, no offense to you, George Hill, I'm by far the best option in this situation. Why don't you go set a pick or something, right? Why don't you go make yourself useful? And I'm about to, you know, we've seen it every time, so many times, but he basically, you know, I'm the Mack truck, you're the fly, right? I'm going to go to the basket and none of you could stop me. If the entire team, literally, he's one of the Generally, one on five is a terrible idea, but we've seen him do it, right? He, he can literally go one on five and still score, or at least get fouled. So, yeah, that's my only real knock on him is, is, yeah, could he be a little more aggressive in certain situations? Yes. And that's really all that's lacking from his game. I have a quick question. So, if Michael Jordan played in this era,
0: like far as the rules and yep. the three point shot, and more three point play, okay, and all this, how many points do you think Jordan would have had? Because right now he's fifth all the time with 32000 plus points in this era where defense is not really can't hand check, not very physical. Yep. So if Jordan played in this era, because the total is always Jordan LeBron, Jordan LeBron, Jordan LeBron, right. how many points would LeBron James, well, Michael Jordan have in this era?
1: He would MJ. Have, he would have a couple of years in his career where he'd average 38, 39 points a game. In this. I mean if he had if he had these, once again. If someone said the three-pointer is an important part of the game, he would go work on it. Like, I don't think anybody in the world would ever say that Michael Jeffrey Jordan wouldn't work on anything that would help him to score more points. But the way the game was structured, three-pointers were almost like a gimmick, right, in his era. Um, clock's running down, or you need three, or whatever. You would take a three, or we're down nine, and there's, you know, one minute and 14 seconds, whatever. then you would take threes. But threes were not a normal part of your offense until just about, really, 12, 13 years ago. The threes started becoming a normal part of your offense. Where you would, you know, Ray Allen and, and, you know, even to a certain extent, going back to Reggie, those guys started to make people see, okay, maybe it's not just a bailout. Maybe it's not just desperation. Maybe we should build it into the offense, not just have it almost by accident. Jordan would work on it right? Because he went from being a guy who, I mean, he first entered the league, he's not a good shooter. I mean, I, I watched Michael Jeffrey Jordan but when he was coming off the bench at UNC, for the, which he did for the first about quarter of his uh, first year there. Dudley, uh, for those who remember Dudley Bradley, shout out to Dudley Bradley, was actually the starter at the two guard at the time. Or uh, small forward, sorry, small forward. Because uh, yes, he has to small and forward at uh, Carolina. And Dudley Bradley used to, used to get tortured by, by Mike in practice because he wanted to show everybody, I should be starting. And you know the mindset he has. He would just embarrass Dudley Bradley, who was a good basketball player. I mean, no, I mean, people obviously have forgotten Dudley Bradley. But he was a good basketball player. Then he went to Seattle, had a decent little career. But, I mean, he's not Jordan. And Jordan wouldn't just see that. So if Jordan had a hole in his game and someone pointed it out, he would fill that hole in, right? He, would, he, he went from being a good defender to a great defender. He went from being a eh, shooter to uh, above average and eventually a very good. He would have gotten to a very good shooter faster and it would take him more outside shots so you add another four or five threes per game and he's gonna hit 40 percent of them right takes five more threes that's two more that's average six more points per game that's so that 30 point you know 28 point now it's 34 right it's 32 it's 37 right he's averaging so yeah he would have had a year we would have averaged almost 40 points a game maybe a couple, where he would have averaged almost 40 points a game in his career. So yes, you can add another, well, I'm trying to do the math in my head, but if it's an extra six or so points per game over the number of games he played, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's in a couple of thousand more points.
0: Definitely, I agree. Um, I feel like LeBron's great, great player, but I feel like with Jordan's era and how he did it, me personally, I can't put LeBron over Jordan. I just can't do it. I mean, LeBron's LeBron, great player, love watching the play. But Michael Jordan, just Michael
1: Jordan, you know? I don't like to even compare the two because they're not really comparable. Like they they don't play the game the same way. They don't think the game the same way. So the closest to Jordan in terms of mindset and approach to playing the game is obviously the late, great Kobe B. Bryant, who essentially decided I'm going to be Michael Jordan. And lots of young men had that same thought. The the difference is he almost did it, right? Everyone else came up way, 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 way short. Kobe being Bryant came pretty, pretty close. God bless his soul. Uh, So... So... To seek that, to seek the pressure of being the next Jordan, right? Um, Because LeBron wanted to be the greatest player of all time, but he never said he wanted to be the next Michael Jordan. The difference is that Kobe embraced the idea of being the next Michael Jordan. (laughs) I mean... Used to literally do Jordan's moves the way Jordan would do them right so that you could the whole lean back thing <laughs> I mean, he had he did it all he did all the the Jordan stuff and wanted you to see I'm doing you right he wanted Jordan to know it right he didn't he wasn't shy about it even it's like look at me I'm you I mean that was part of his thing and there's so many different players that are part of what LeBron is he's just so different because. Part of what he does is mailman alone where it's just I'm like going to steamroll through the lane and you know good luck trying to stop me because of essentially an nfl defensive end right who's just six foot nine but look at look at the chest look at the shoulders look at the arm i mean there's not another great skilled player who's been built like that in the history of the game who has that level of skill that's one of one sui generis as we say in latin um in the case of and then his mindset's closer to magic than it is to michael i agree right so, I mean, if you want to compare his thought process and approach to basketball, don't, don't even bring up Michael, don't even bring up Kobe. Those guys are a whole different kettle of fish. Like, they don't even trying to play the game that, that LeBron's playing. LeBron's essentially creating something different. And now we're going to see a bunch of LeBron. So, guys who want to be LeBron, that's the next thing guys are going to want to try to be. You're just, I mean, Lucas, basically a slightly smaller, whiter, slower version of it, right? Where he's a point power, whatever yeah. forward that you think he is who can shoot like nobody's business. This is a new thing, or it is, it's not new now. It was a new thing. Thanks to LeBron, it's not so new. But you're gonna see kids who are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", and 230, 240, 250, who are going to bring the rock up, who are going to facilitate playmate. And yeah, shoot and play and play great defense. That That's LeBron's legacy. That's what he gave basketball. What Mike gave to basketball was Kobe, right? That That generation of young men who wanted to be Mike and wanted to stick your face in it, make you feel it, and all that stuff. I mean, that whole, that whole, I mean, books have been written, right? Mamba Mindset. People used to pay, you know, 10 grand to to go to a TED Talk where Kobe would <laughs> explain to a bunch of CEOs about how he wanted to slip people's throats. I mean, not physically, but mentally, <laughs> Yeah, I know Right? I know. right? <laughs> That's not really LeBron. Like, LeBron wants to beat you, but he's not waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, he's waking up early, early but he's not thinking of, Thinking about specific guys, like, I'm gonna beat this guy. Kobe used to do that. Kobe used to think, this guy, I'm gonna embarrass this particular guy. I'm gonna make him wish he never picked up a basketball. That's a different mindset. LeBron wants to win the game. He's not thinking, I need to embarrass Terrence Stansbury. I'd be like, that's, that's not even in yeah, his no, mind, no. right? He's not thinking, I need to make Luca look bad so they'll stop comparing him to me or whatever. Like, that's not his mindset. He wants to win the game. I agree. I switch it up some. Of course, the
0: NBA is crazy right now with the both conferences. So right now, in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, which team do you feel has the edge? Because so many teams tend are to, tend to playing good right now. Boston playing good. The Bucks. You got the Suns without Chris Paul playing good. The Grizzlies. So yeah. which team do you feel like has to edge the edge of both conferences right now?
1: Yeah. Gun to my head. I mean, it's, it's a little more open than it's been recently, but down to my head, I'm going to stick with the Bucks because I haven't seen anything that makes me think that they're not going to do what they do. Uh, they're a well-balanced, well-built team. Giannis isn't having to do quite so much heroic activity all the time when he doesn't have to carry the entire load all the time. He goes from being a really dangerous player because even when he's doing everything all the time, he's a dangerous player. But he can actually sit a little bit, maybe get some Gatorade, talk to the coach, (laughs) you you know, a little bit, like that kind of stuff, and then come back out with a little bit of more air in his lungs and go back to doing what he does. I mean, that's a difficult thing to stop because, once again, we just talked about who are the great post defenders. There's only a few left, and the ones that exist aren't quite athletic enough to stay with him, right? So he can score on almost anybody one-on-one right down on down low and he keeps trying to add the three to his game god bless him um and to his credit he has improved year over year over year I still wish he didn't take so many of them but I know it's the era that whatever and you, everyone wants to shoot for but uh and then the Suns I mean anyone could come out of the west I mean not anyone but a bunch of teams could come out of the west but when I look at the Suns to do what they're doing without Chris Paul and they're getting Chris Paul back I mean how can you pick against Right? <laughs> what what would make me say somebody, this team is going to beat the Suns in a in a series? I can't find a single team where I feel confident it's gonna just climb over the Suns. I can't think of it.
0: They're playing great. Um Devin Booker, he's putting the league on notice. Hey, without Chris Paul, I'm still that dude. Right. And with the Bucks, man, to be honest, in my opinion, I feel like with most teams, they are the champs. They're the best team. The playoffs in the seven-game series, when it matters most, can you beat the Bucks in the seven-game series? I, I can't say this, though. Boston has been playing great the past couple yep. of months. Yep. I would say the Nets got Kyrie back full-time now. I mean, the mandate has been lifted. But right. I will say this about Brooklyn. <laughs> Perfect timing, right? Perfect timing, but they're very thin far that big man situation and then right. with Ben Simmons. It's, yep. I I have no idea with him because it seems like does. he's not gonna play because and I, I don't understand how you got back problems and he hasn't played all year. And I have no idea. That just surprises me. Like they're kinda like how is he not playing still. Like what's the issue? And so and then with Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry's out, right out of the foot spring, and yep. then um I'm still hoping, but we don't know right now how serious that injury is. I don't think it's serious, serious, but he's still out right now into I mean, the playoffs. He'll be back
1: in time for the playoffs, and maybe a little bit before that to try to get his legs back under him, but it clearly was going to make it more challenging for them. They're going to slide down a little bit, probably, yeah. I agree. I agree. And then with the Grizzlies, they
0: beat the Nets a couple nights ago without Ja Moran, And they're, they got a young team, a
1: ton of depth. They got some grit. They are not scared. They got length. They got athletes. They, they have scoring from three different, maybe sometimes four different parts of the of the court. They have gr- good leadership, good young leadership, right? I mean, they're they're. If you look at the Suns, they're this is they're basically headed on that same trajectory, right? If you say, look at what the Suns looked like a couple of years ago, the Grizzlies look a lot like what the Suns looked like a couple of years ago. I agree. They're one or two players away, in my opinion, from being. Problems. They're dangerous now, but think about them with one or two more good players. They,
0: they. I will say this about this: I'm about Ja Morant. Ja Morant is 22 years old. Like when when players like Steph Curry came to the league, he wasn't no Ja Morant. Uh, like um, Ja, he had the ability, and maybe maybe next year we may have a conversation. Is Ja Morant the best point guard far as in the in, in league? Because what he's doing and how he's leading the Memphis Grizzlies, because before Ja Morant got there, of course they had Z, uh, Zach Randolph, you had Mike Conley over the years, but they weren't like this. this. This really team is scary, and Ja Morant, he's changed the narrative of Memphis basketball forever because his mindset, he has a killer in him. He is something right. special to watch. And right. Ja is special in, it wouldn't surprise me if the Memphis Grizzlies win the West. But right now, I'm still taking Phoenix right now because Phoenix, they're just got the experience last year, getting to the finals and losing, come back hungry. So I feel like Phoenix is the favorite, but the Grizzlies, they're right there as well behind, think, in my opinion. Yep.
1: No, I, I like the Grizzlies a lot. I think they're still a year, a, at least a year. It, it depends what they do, obviously, in the offseason. But I think they, they, if they could add... If they could, I mean, Bam out of bio isn't available, obviously. But if they throw a guy like Bam on it, you see what I'm saying? Like, they need, I think they need at least one more, one, maybe two more players. Maybe, like, another off-the-bench scorer and a guy like Bam, energy guy, rebounder, um, trouble, you know, like a good defender on the inside. They're not far away, though. I mean, they're, you know, they're clearly close.
0: (laughs) They're very close and very close. And this kind of makes me think about that 07 draft class between um, Kevin Durant and Greg Oden. And now you see about Ja, Morin and Zion, Williamson. Zion, Correct. like like the I was writer. team.
1: I was team Ja. I told anyone who listened, you should take Ja. Ja's the best player.
0: And now you're seeing with Zion, his health issues, foot issues, and he doesn't want to be there. And Ja, he's embracing being in Memphis. He changed that city the past couple of years. He changed that whole franchise around. So... 10, 15 years down the line, we'll be probably saying this, that 07 draft class in that 2019 draft class with Kevin Durant, Greg Gold, him a bus. and Zion,
1: we don't know his situation right now and how John I'm, Durant's looking. I'm not like, about to call Zion a bust, but I think he ends up being kind of a part-time player for the rest of his career. I mean, not part-time isn't like 8, 12 minutes. Yeah, I But I mean I like, you. right, but i mean guy who, he Played got to 50 games. You have, right, you got to have it. right. You have to have him on a, based on a clock. Um, and you have to manage him. You have to have a person who practically, like, lives with him and says, hey, what are you doing? Are you working out? Are you eating? Definitely. I mean, right? Uh, I still think he can turn it around and have a, a, a decent career. But Ja is just a better player. He was a better player in college. He's a better player now. He's going to be a better player. I
0: agree. And Ja is just, he's healthy. And he's durable. And with Zion's, with he, with him being 6'6", weighing, like, 290, 300 pounds, he's very there's too much weight for his height. And so yes. I don't think his body, his knees can handle all that weight. Reminds me of Dale Rose. Dale Rose was so explosive, I don't think his bones can handle it. And I feel like with Zion, he's so explosive and so
1: big, I feel like his body just is going to break down. He's going to have to change the way he plays. One, and change the way he works out, change the way he eats. He has to change a whole bunch of things. But I think if he wants to badly enough, he can still have a solid career. But I, I said before, uh, shout out to the guys on my Brent Dom and James show when I yeah. went out on, I don't know it was a limb, but I I, yeah, I told them, like, I marked my words, Jaws going to be the better place a better, longer career. Um, he's just wired. I mean, even forget the physical stuff. He's wired differently, right? He's got more natural leadership. He's got more mental toughness. And I, I'm not taking shots. I mean, it, it's just evident, right? Agreed. I still think that... You can still save Zion. If Zion wants to be saved, right? He can still be saved as a player. Not as an all-time great or anything, no, but he can be a really solid player, contributor. He could be a guy who's your second option on offense and a, a solid on-ball and, and post-defender who gives you, you know, 24, 28 minutes a game, um, and you just manage his weight, you manage his playing time, and you manage his mindset. I agree. Got a chance to
0: the football real quick. Uh, definitely the football. This offseason has been probably one of the best ever by far. <laughs> by far with so many different teams going trade. Yep. A new additions. You know, yep. far definitely the AFC. So the AFC with all the new additions with Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and so many players switching teams. Which team in the AFC do you think has The best offseason so far because right now, I'm ready for football to start because this is going to be very fun to watch this year because this is like, then with Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins, leaving KC, and with just how the Chargers at Khalil Mack at a cornerback, they, it's like right now, who do you think had the best offseason season season
1: for the AFC so far? You just said the name, the Chargers. I still think the Chargers aren't done, first of all. I don't think they're done. I, I mean, they're done with, like, the big, splashy, big names. but I suddenly going to add more depth? And, obviously, the draft hasn't happened yet. So, assuming the Chargers draft well, assuming that they plug a few, the few remaining holes with, you know, quality depth, I mean, it's going to be gladiator school in the AFC West, right? Yes, sir. Because the Raiders are a team that's going to probably be a 10-11 win team. The Chiefs aren't dead, right? They took a little step back but they're not dead. I mean, there's not a bad team in the, I mean, the Denver is going to be improved. Everybody's, there might be, everybody might is going to flirt with the playoffs. Three of them might make the playoffs. I mean, they literally might have three teams in the playoffs. This, the AFC West is going to be so much fun. People were like joking around about how I signed up for the AFC West channel. I just want that, right? Um, I just want to watch all the AFC West games all season long. You know, give me that. Give me AFC West ticket, right? Get on that, uh, DirecTV. So <laughs> the the AFC West is going to come down, I think, to two things. One, injuries. Like so many, so many times it does. Which team avoids clusters of injuries at key positions, right? Um, so obviously an injury to a position like quarterback can derail your entire season. But even if you have... You know, remember not too long ago when the Eagles were literally calling guys up off, like, other teams' practice squads and starting them three, four days later? And then they would lead the team in receiving. Um, Hey, Zach Pascal, you know, what are you doing, Greg Ward? Um, They were, like, literally calling up dudes from their own and other teams' practice squads, and they were starting. And you're playing and playing well in some cases. That can happen where you just lose everybody at one position. We've seen it happen. We've seen teams lose their entire, you know, both their corners. We've seen teams lose both their starting, right, the Chiefs, right, prior to the Super Bowl, lost both their starting tackles. Clusters of injuries at key positions can derail your season. And then last but not least, um, just flat out boneheaded mistakes. Uh, We've seen young coaches like Brandon Staley and sometimes even veteran coaches like Andy Reid occasionally just not make the right decision at certain times. If during that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, they see that they're soft and playing that soft, soft, soft cover two and, 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 uh, and two-man, if they just run and run and run, they're getting five, six yards of pop every time they ran the ball and they got away from it. No. Run the ball until they, you run them out of that soft two, and that, 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 that two-man. If you're running up and down the field, as much as they want to stop your passing game, if you just keep running the ball long enough, they'll have to come. And I don't know why they lost uh, patience with that because the running game is working for them. So that's the three things that will matter. Clusters of injuries at key positions or even one injury at, you know, quarterback. Or at least if it's a serious injury. Two, right, the, the second thing obviously is just, like I said, you know, which team is able to maintain, right? Are you able to play well week in and week out? Because it's, it's mentally exhausting, especially in the AFC West where everybody's going to be good. Everybody keep, keep Getting up and playing well week after week after week, especially when you start to get bumped up and in injuries and tired. It's the season where it's on. And then, like I said, coaching where your coaches do the right thing at the right time. The, the team that can answer the yes to all three of those things, you avoid the clusters of injuries or the big injury at the key position. You avoid that letdown that happens. To some teams kind of remember how many teams are like, we're talking about, Oh my God, they're unstoppable. And then, you know, at week nine, they start losing games the teams. They shouldn't lose to. Which team avoids that? Which team avoids losing focus? And last but not least, coaching. Which team, their coaches come through?
0: I would say this. I feel like the AOC, the Chargers, the Bills, the Bills at Von Miller, great pick of a pass rusher. Um, very, so much experience. Um, I would say this about the Chiefs, though. I think the Chiefs, they took a couple steps back. Tyreek Hill is a generational talent. You're not going to replace Tyreek Hill. I mean, of course... You get like a ton of draft pick, draft a receiver, maybe. Yes, but Tyree Hill, he was the most dangerous player on that offense. Sure, he made the whole offense better. He, far, far as Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, print, he made everybody better. Patrick Mahomes too, because when you have a guy that's that fast, he can disrupt the defense in so many ways. And not having the fastest man. On that team, for oh, that team, but the whole league.
1: Right, that's me. not None of your
0: roster no more. And it's just, of course, they're going to be a good team still. Or er, Casey, Pat Mahomes, Travis
1: Kelsey, they signed on um, Juju. Yes. And uh, also Marquez, the, the law firm of Marquez Valdez Scantling, right?
0: Yes, definitely. So, they added some weapons. So, I mean, of course, they'll always be a good, relevant team. But Juju, Marquez Scantling, they ain't Tyreek Hill. Then Tyreek. Tyreek is just someone you can't deal with. And so I feel like the loss of him, they're not better than Buffalo, the Chargers. Then the Raiders signing the best receiver in all the NFL, and Devontae Adams. Yep. They're a better football team. They yep. are. They're a better football team. And then with the Broncos, the Broncos were a good team last year. Now they got a quarterback, now Russell Wilson. So. They're going to come in very motivated and confident. And so, and then, people not saying this team too much, but the Ravens were hurt last year. Yep. And Lamar Jackson coming back healthy. The we'll whole team should be healthy. I don't know why they ain't paid them yet, but still, they're going to be a good f- football team. And so, the I, I'll, a- I'll answer
1: that. Um, and once again, Eric DeCosta comes from, well, I mean, obviously, it comes to some extent from the the same tree that gave us. Ozzie, right? And Ozzy comes from the Belichick tree, right? So what does the Belichick tree like to do with their their general, right? Their field general, their quarterback. They like to say to him, let us get all of our other stuff done. We'll figure out a way to you know make you happy enough. But you might not be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. I think Lamar. I mean, he's not quite Tom Brady because one thing he's not—you know—married to a you know multi-millionaire supermodel, so he can't yeah, quite yeah. do some of the things that Thomas Everett Patrick Brady Jr. did with his contracts. But I think he's team-minded enough that he's willing to let the team do some things in free agency, and then come to him and say, "Here's what we can do. Right? We can give you X amount guaranteed, and it might be the third highest or the fourth highest. Are you okay with that?" And I think he might be. So I'll, I'll be fine with it. I think that's the answer. I think that that they could make him the highest paid quarterback in the history of, of, you know, American tackle football. But now, what can you do in free agency if you do that? Not, you're not out of free agency, but you're not very far into it, right? You're, you're going to have to be careful. Uh, some might say almost miserly in what you do in free agency. If you want to be able to be flexible with what you do in free agency, and you still have to sign draft picks too, people. People sometimes forget, like, I know I know how fans get all excited, like, why aren't we spending more in free agency? We you realize the draft is coming too. Like, those guys also get paid. Maybe not quite as much, but you, you know, just for those, and this might be something that people aren't aware of, signing bonuses have to be, you know, you pay the salary as it goes, but signing bonuses have to be in an escrow account at the moment the contract is signed. That money has to be put where it is, has to be sitting there, and you, you know, you've lost that money, not lost that, but that money is locked, basically, right? So, all signing bonus money sits in that escrow account. That's what the real story behind the Khalil Mack deal, when Khalil, not the most recent one, but the one where he was leaving the Raiders, was that the Raiders wanted to sign it, but they literally didn't have a liquid capital to, to put the signing bonus away. They didn't have enough to put away in the escrow account, right? People have to realize that, you know, even though this, this salary cap goes up every year, and you know, but it, and some teams, quote unquote, gained the cap, but it's a temporary thing. You're kicking that can down the road. Um, you're saying, well, there'll be more money in the cap next year, and we'll deal with it then, right? You know, future me will have to deal with this, right? <laughs> you're saying future me will deal with this this terrible cap situation. But look at look look at a team like the Saints. Now, the Saints have done an amazing work. Shout out to Kai Haley. Shout out, obviously, to um, um what's his name too? Uh, Mickey Lewis, right? Mickey Lewis. But his cap guru is um, uh, a guy named Kai Haley. They do an amazing job each year of. You know, right? Because they've got to keep moving stuff around. But the fact is, eventually, you know, you can't pay everybody, right? And that's intentional, right? That's why this isn't baseball, right? Baseball allows you to be the Dodgers. You can you can just stack talent on top of talent on top of talent on top of talent in baseball. This is not how it works in the salary cap era. You have to prioritize certain players and say to other players that you really really like, including guys like Tyree Kill. So inside baseball, what happened was they tried to extend Tyreek, and they were going to make him one of the top five highest paid receivers in the game. He looked at Devontae Adams' extension and said, that's what I want, plus a little extra. They were like, we can't do that, Tyreek. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've heard, but we gave half a billion dollars to our quarterback. <laughs> um, and I was I think, saying, right? that was going to be the reason why they split
0: up, because they paid Pat Mahomes so much winning the long term. He's Pat Mahomes, yes, but I feel
1: like you can't pay everybody. You can't pay everybody, right. They said, we can make you one of the top five paid receivers in the league. They said, no, no, I said, I, number one. And they they tried to negotiate and get close to together. They couldn't get close together enough and they gave him you know permission to seek trades because they realized it wasn't gonna happen. They weren't gonna close the gap between what they could afford to give him and still be able to sign other players uh, and what he wanted. They couldn't make him the highest paid receiver in the league. They couldn't, it wasn't gonna work. It's a business after all, but it's all said and done. And so they said, you know, find the best deal you can. They found two deals. In fact, a really good deal came back from the Jets. But the Jets were going to have to pay, like, what I call the Jets tax. You know, he's going to charge them a little extra. Yeah, yeah you know, if I, if I were to come here, you got to pay me a little extra. And he was like, the, uh, Joe Douglas, to his credit, said, no, we're going to pay you this deal, which is a very good deal. And they were going to give up a lot <laughs> to, the, uh, uh, to the Chiefs in, in exchange. But... Tyreek, when it came down to it, looked at the two deals, even though it was slightly more money in the Jets deal and said, I'll be happier here. They're closer to being a contender. I would prefer to be in, in Miami. And that's how that deal went. Y'all
0: yeah, would say this in Florida, no state tax, living in Miami and you got, again, uh, paid top dollar. I right. put no blame, shame on Tyreek here. Get your money, man. Get your money, Living in Miami, South Beach. Yep, He's from true. the crib, from a home Exactly. Here, so, hey, praise to you. Yep. But hey, so, I yep. don't blame no plaguing their money.
1: Yep. So, yeah, that's what, what turned it for him, was being able to go home. As you said, the fact that the difference in money is slightly negated by the, not having a stated comeback. Uh, so, yeah, that's what eventually pushed him to sign with them as opposed to the Jets. And, and once again, the fact that the Jets are not yet a super attractive spot for free agents. I agree.
0: Gotta go to that college basketball, man. It's March Madness. I know you've been watching it, because I sure have myself. Um, Has the March Madness, has it live up to the hype? Because I've been been, watching the games, the good games.
1: It's been better than most years, actually. It's been better than most years. Um, It's been competitive with a few, you know, a few blowouts mixed in, but competitive across the board. Um, A lot of the blue chips who didn't play like blue chips throughout the season, suddenly got their act together. Carolina, I tried to tell people, Carolina's gonna make it to the round of eight. That was my prediction, um, and I feel good about that. We'll see how it plays out. Um, Duke has exceeded a lot of people's expectations. A lot of people have them getting knocked out by Texas Tech. And Texas Tech is a really good program. They're going to be here. They're, they're not done. They're going to be back. Like That's a good program. They're going to be here for, for a good long time. Uh, and obviously, the great stories like St. Years, right? I mean, everyone loves the F-15 c make a deep, deep run. That's awesome. I mean, it's like, I remember watching, this is before your time, but watching Malice McFadden at Cleveland State, the Vikings. Go Vikings at Cleveland State. Um, with uh, Mouse McFadden, Kevin McFadden. Uh, look him up later. Watching Iona was Steve Burt with two T's, two T Steve Burt, B U R T T. Mm-hmm. Right, making a deep run. Uh, once again, <laughs> way before your time. I'm, but uh, yes, but yeah, sir. you can see these 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 teams that people are not very familiar with go deep. And then I'll, I'll mention one other, like uh, you know, my, my Behold the Bean and Go, State, right, uh, getting a win in the playoffs a few years back. So it's always cool to see you know these teams that have you know 1100 1200 undergrads in enrollment and you know only play a handful of sports you know they have like women's soccer men's soccer basketball tennis you know no football team uh yeah uh it's great to see these programs that most people and it's going to be great for st peter's because i guarantee you there's an uptick in undergraduate applications because of this right uh this little school in new jersey that a handful of people had ever heard of before this are now going to get, you know. I mean, I'd love to see ESPN do game a basketball game day from there, right? I mean, it's, it, I hope that this is a it gives them a bump, you know, for the long term. So yeah, it's been fun to watch. Um, I mean, Houston's a dangerous team. I don't know why they were seated where they were. Like what what what? Like I never got Houston seat in the first place. Like what what are you watching? Houston's a really good team. Why are they seated so low? Well? The seeds were weird. That's my only complaint. The seeds were so. This year, Chris, like I don't know what's up with the seeding this year. They were seeding really good teams, like down. So the number of upsets is at least part because of that, because so many really good teams have weird, odd, low seeds. I, I don't, I don't get it.
0: Yes, sir. It, and last night, Gonzaga lost, and Arizona lost. Top yep. two, number one seed, both lost. Yep. Um, watched both of those games. I watched the dude game too. Um, you know, Doom beating, I think they believe they beat uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yep. And so, great games from both, uh, all the teams. And one storyline that may happen, I ain't saying it will happen, but say if it does happen. It's Coach K's last year. I'm just saying. Are you thinking it's, Coach you it's like a special wrestling
1: year. kind of thing? You think maybe the They may. <laughs>
0: Duke, I wouldn't be surprised if Dude <laughs> go to a Final Four. <laughs> or to a championship. Cause this Coach K last year. They playing for Coach K. It wouldn't behoove me. They're in the Elite Eight now. It wouldn't shock me. This happens. I said as soon as phone it started. I said <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked if if dude go just because they playing for Coach K and that's motivation for the players to win for him. I mean this guy last year, so what if he went like last year and Duke when, uh, wins it all
1: that'll be a great
0: storyline
1: yeah. great I mean, narrative duke, to see duke has enough talent uh they haven't always played well but they seem to as you said they seem to pull it together i've seen them lose games they had no losing, business business, right uh and so now they're playing the way that people thought they would have played the whole season long is it sustainable we're about to find out right <laughs> we're <laughs> about right. to find out uh all the teams that are left at this point, even the lower seeds, are all really good basketball teams. Like I said, the seating is kind of wacky to me. I, I didn't understand the seating, some of the seatings. I mean, I saw teams that were like nines and twelves and fifteens, even. I was like, this is a really good team. Why they should be a six or a five or a four? Like, I don't I don't know. And there were teams that were like twos and ones that I thought were more like threes, fours, fives. So, I mean, they know more than I do, I guess. Though um, so it's looking <laughs> like maybe they don't. But um, yeah. I saw some truly. Really, that's that's to me the biggest story. The upsets and the weird seeding are the two biggest stories. And yeah, Duke obviously makes it to the final four. I mean, we hear about Duke no matter what Duke does. Uh, but my God, it'll be wall-to-wall Duke if Duke makes it. So we'll never stop hearing about that. But if they make the championship game, it'll be all Duke all the time. In ESPN. You're right,
0: definitely. I will say this, though, back to the basketball, you know, Right now, it's been a big discussion about the MVP. You got so many players like Nicole Jokic, yep. you got Joel Embiid, you got the yep. Greek Freak. Um, yep. You know, I think Kevin those Booker two, has to be in that conversation. Kevin Booker. I if Kevin Durant wouldn't have missed those 21 games, he would have been my front runner, but he missed 21 games, so he's not going to win it. But the past couple weeks, before the injury and after the injury, KD's been KD. Um, yep. But who do you think has will win the mvp and why because it's kind of changed throughout the season so
1: much who can win it so who do you think is going to win it maybe i think booker has a really good chance to win it partially because everyone's seeing what he is like mm-hmm. young guy on the rise i mean john Rant has to be in the discussion demar derozan has oh to yes be. demar derozan yes. right i mean if demar derozan isn't in your top four then you have to explain to me why, why is he not at least in your top four? He's but in that. my top four, top five, he? Right, right. I think he's in my top four. I mean, so when I think about, and Giannis just missed the top four, right? So Giannis would be five to me, but Booker has to be up there. I mean, I think I think it's sort of Booker's to lose if he keeps playing like this, and you know they keep being the best team in basketball. How do you not give it to him? He's the best player on the best team, and 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 he's the leader, as well as being the best player on the best team, right? Even with Chris Paul, who's one of the great leaders, but when Chris isn't out there, which he hasn't been for a while, you saw Devin Booker take on the leadership, the, everything, right? He, he, he became everything for them in terms of organizing the team, you know, bringing the ball up, making plays, scoring, playing great defense. I mean, complete. He's had a complete season. There's no, there's nothing you can say, oh, I wish he could get better at this. Um, I mean, we talked, we talked about John Morant recently. He may not be top four, but he didn't miss by much, right? So, there. I mean, so it's tight, but I, gun to my head, I'm going to say Devin Booker, but there's a bunch of guys who, who would be in that fight.
0: I'm going to say, um, i probably going to say either, I'm going to say Nikola Jokic, you know, okay. uh, with the reason why I'm going to say Nikola Jokic because, you know, did, being this year, another year being without J- uh, Jamal Murray, he was hurting an injury. Michael Porter Jr. And Dunn's still been the top six seed in the Western Conference. In general, doing what he's doing. And he's just putting the team on his back. And um and it's just, what he's done is just, in my opinion, he's the best big in basketball. I know Joel Embiid is so dominant. But I would take Nicole Jokic over Embiid because he makes players better around him. Meaning, Jokic can average an 8 9 assists a game. Then get the 12-13 rebounds. And 25 points plus a night. And then... He is a great passer for a big man. He can pass the basketball.
1: He oh, just a he's, joy to he's watch. He's the best-passing big man of this generation. Yeah, He's easily the best-passing big man of the generation. You have to go back a ways to find a big man. Sadly, you never got to see young Bill Walton when he was healthy, when I mean, his days with the Portland Trailblazers. But he was an incredible passing big man. Uh, there have been a few guys. And, and Arbutus Sabonis, unfortunately, by the time he got to the United States, was just a shell of his former self. But you saw him play overseas, an incredible passing big. But of this generation, it's Jokic, and it's Jokic by a long shot.
0: He's definitely, he's dangerous. And then I would say this too, um, just with with Denver. Next year, if they get when they get Murray back and Porter back healthy, they can win it all because yep. they got every piece. And then, like, having Murray back a, a whole season to get healthy during the season, getting his rhythm back, they could be a very dangerous basketball team. I feel like Jokic, he's my favorite right now, but that could change because i I Jolin B's been playing the Greek Freak, But Devin Booker, I wouldn't be surprised because he's been showing the league why he's Devin Booker. He's he's that dude. And you know, and when he's since Paul left, they haven't they have have not dropped a beat at all. They've been the same team. They're winning, they're blowing out teams, doubling teams last night. Dropped 49 points last night in the victory. So Devin Booker, he's been playing like an MVP and he's something special to watch put some respect on his name, NBA, because he is a bad man coming through. Yeah, Devin Booker's
1: my MVP. Yeah, I mean, I just think, and and I love Jokic's game, and I mean, if I'm putting a team together, you know, I'm probably starting with the Greek Freak, and then maybe Booker, and then, well, or maybe KD, well, that'll probably be a Booker, KD, just because of age Booker, then KD. Jokic might be like my, oh, right, LeBron. So maybe my fifth player I might take or just drafting from every player in the league he might fifth sixth. he's in that top top group amongst the best players in basketball right now I just think that Booker's ability to take over games against anybody you know um, like there's nobody who can do anything against him I mean he's just so his game is he's so even when he was his game wasn't as well-rounded as it is now he was able to get a lot done and John Morant's on that same trajectory right John is on that trajectory where another year or two, I mean, as you pointed out, he's so young. I mean, think of what 25-year-old John Morant might look like. He, get, he keeps getting stronger. He keeps adding to his game. It's I special. Mean, it's scary. And it's dangerous. You know what? Yes, Right. Ja's a top eight to six player already, and he's just figuring, it, beginning to figure it out. This is a really good time to be a basketball fan. It <laughs> is. Great time. Then You have players like Luka
0: Doncic, he's a bad boy. Yeah, he's a top 10 player. Yes, it's a joy to watch right now in the age of basketball, you know, and then seeing LeBron James, 37 years old, averaging 30 points a game in year 19. That's just, uh, we've never seen a guy that be this late in his career doing this. Playing that
1: way at this point in your career is a, once again, he's doing new things. The, the, he's created a position, right, that other players are trying to fill. And like I said, you know, he saw point forwards before. But he's a power point forward, right? I mean, Tony Kukic was tall, but he wasn't power, right? He was yes, finesse. I agree. Uh, Scottie was, you know, a small forward, point forward. But to be a power forward, point forward, the way that he's doing it. And we'll see other guys do it now. But he created that. That's all LeBron. LeBron's like LBJ. This is my
0: last question for today's show. Um, you know, of course, with the uh, situation in in Brooklyn for the next with Ben Simmons, you know, being traded there in February, the trade deadline, you know, and with him not playing yet, do you feel like will we see Ben Simmons in uniform this season? Because how we're looking right now, it might not be to next season, you know, but do you think we'll see him
1: this year playing for the Nets? I mean, I, I can't say definitively no, but it doesn't look I don't like the odds. Like if you're giving me even odds, I'm not making that bet. I want you to give me something. I need give me 70-30. You know, you know, yeah, now I am put some money now. Um I, I don't like the chance of him playing. And if he does play, how well will he play? He hasn't played in a minute, Chris. You know? Yeah. And I mean I've seen his workouts. He's not going full speed. I mean, nice. from what see. So He's not close to being ready to play, as far as I can tell. Like, maybe some top-secret stuff in the lab that I'm not seeing. But the stuff that's out there looks like he's just kind of, like... Going you know, through the motions. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I don't know if he's even having to shower afterwards. I mean, it's looking like he's... You know what I mean? I don't know. I
0: agree, because when he was with Philly still, he was—he had a phone in his pocket. and when the phone. Like, what are you doing Like with a phone in your pocket? And so it's just... And them... And my issue is this. It's like he's doing that Philly game. He should have played. He just on the sideline like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't understand how you got a back injury. He hasn't played since last, I think, last July or June, I believe correctly. He hasn't played in a long time. Uh, About a year, it seems like. uh, But, hey, I mean. And then, I understand how he plays. He's a pass, first guy, rebound, but still. You gotta have a rhythm of playing with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, Patty Mills, and the list goes on. Seth Curry, you gotta have a rhythm of playing with your teammates. Just throwing a body in there in playoff time and you have no rhythm, that's gonna be hard to play. Of course, he can pass the ball, facilitate, but he has to know how to play with his teammates, how to feel of his teammates around him. And so, me personally, I don't think. With, they need Ben Simmons in the seven-game series because his defensively. He's yep. very versatile. But me personally, I don't think you can just throw a player in the playoff and beat a Milwaukee, beat a Miami. You have to have some reps playing together. Yep. That's my only issue with Ben Simmons. But, hey, I don't think he's going to play this year, but I hope he does. But next year, hopefully he gets over his mental break and plays basketball next season, hopefully.
1: Right. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there, and I don't I don't pretend to know all of what's going on with him. And I'm hoping he's getting the help, whether it be physical or mental, that he needs. But whatever the situation is, if you haven't played for as long as he hasn't played, one, you are not in basketball shape. Even if you've been running and lifting or whatever, you're not in basketball shape, right? So as you said, toss him out there. I mean, he's gonna gas out pretty quickly, Chris, nice. <laughs> really, right? Um, you're gonna have to have him play very sparingly, at least at first. And we're talking about a guy that struggled to shoot the basketball when he was in rhythm and playing regularly. Now you literally are playing four on five on the offensive end, right? The, the other team can literally designate whoever would have been guarding Ben Simmons to do something completely different. Why don't you just you know, go jump passing lanes? You don't have to worry at all. I mean, Ben Simmons wasn't shooting when he was in rhythm and playing. He's been out for eight and a half, nine, ten, however many months. We want, we're begging him to shoot the basketball. we he Jeez still don't shoot the, the basketball. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, he, how much help? You're right. He can play good defense. He's a, he's a good facilitator. But how much help can he be in a against a good team? Right? Against a team that can force the ball into his hands and say, "You got to shoot," right? Because we're are <laughs> taking away everybody else. You got it
0: right. You right. That's trouble. We don't know. Then I'm thinking, like, in the seven-game series, say if Durang is in foul trouble, Kyrie in foul trouble, and they need you to be be the guy that can carry the team for a certain period of time in the game. And so we don't know what will happen right now because he hasn't played yet. So that's my only issue with uh, Ben Simmons. But, hey, I wish him the best. Hopefully he plays sometime this year and gets right mentally. You know, Mr. Bill, man, you came on the show today. I appreciate the time, man. It means a lot. Just tell the people where you're at as far as your social media.
1: You do to find you, what you got going on? I have a lot going on. So I'm, I'm doing what I call my, my franchise fixer-upper series. Uh, the next team up I'm going to try to fix up is the Eagles. So I'll be later today. You can look for that uh, on the Zinni 62 Sports, um, z 62 uh, Media YouTube channel. I also have an article that will be about mock drafts that i have been doing it, popping up on Nuts and Gold Sports. Uh, the 7th Annual Mock Draft of Blues is coming up. You'll see some of the warm-up mock drafts you've been doing to get ready for it. Uh, how they came out, what players fell, which players rose. And uh, you can find me either on, if you're looking on the screen there, at 11 Bravo 138 or if you want to go to my backup uh, account, there's at capital B, capital C, A-double R, O-double 138. and uh, I'm tweeting out a bunch of stuff about scouting and what's going on in free agency and all the other stuff that we're talking about. And it's this is my, one of my favorite times of year because I, I love the offseason. And then the draft is my favorite thing. I mean, I, I've been obsessed with the draft since long before you we were born, Chris. And uh, and I, I wrote my first um, article about the draft coming up towards the 83 draft, which, of course, was a draft that had all those great Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and Eric Dickerson. And so it was a great time to be getting interested in the draft. But uh, yeah, that's what's coming up.
0: Well, people, this is Nuts and Boats Network show. Shut up and listen. People on the po- boy Chris J. I love y'all. Mr. Bill is here. People, we love y'all. We out. Peace.